Well, good morning, everyone. Well, let me try it again. Good morning, everyone. That's good. Now, it's a love, it's a real joy to be back with you here uh, at New Beginnings. It's a privilege to be here. It's been maybe at least a year and a half, if not two years, since it's last with you. And uh, first of all, I bring greetings from from Pauline English. Uh, some of you know Pauline, have known her from the past. Graham has already mentioned, and I seen her on Friday morning. We had our council meeting and back home in Northern Ireland, and then we had a few days break. And a few weeks ago, uh, my wife's off. My wife, this is my first time my wife has been here, and uh, but my wife was is off for half term. And I thought to myself, maybe I'll take her away for a couple of days. So I decided we'd bring her to Scotland, of all places to bring her, brought her to Scotland. Not a better place, eh? <laughs> so I rang Graham and said, look, I'm over in Scotland. Would there be any opportunity, maybe just come on and just try and update you a little bit about the work of GMSA? He says we'd be delighted. So I want to thank Graham and for you as a fellowship. Uh, for not only for your prayers for our work of GMSA but also for standing with us practically and it means a lot to us and we do not take it at all for granted. So it is a joy to be here. We thank you very much. That woman is a powerful saleswoman, isn't she? Boys, I'm telling you. I think she'd sell, I think she'd sell snow to the snow, to the Iceland, to Iceland as she's saying that well. But anyway, but uh, it is a joy to be here. I want to just try and uh, hopefully everything will go according to plan. We'll give a little presentation uh, very briefly. Try and, and we what we also have is a little, uh, little video clip of our missionaries. I was out in, out in Chile in January at our council meetings and field council meetings and uh, when our workers all came together. So we put this little questionnaire together. We asked them questions and then they answered them. Uh, we're going to show you that as well. And then also then I'm going to take you to Argentina where God willing we're presently we've been involved in, where well, we have been involved in building a camp centre there for about just gone over. We bought a piece of property about maybe 13, 14 years ago and the Lord has been pleased just that we bought 20 acres of ground and it was just a green site and then just as God has, has, has provided they've endeavoured to develop the centre and put up different buildings and just this past year it was used for the very first time uh, for, a, for a pastor's retreat and then just the last weekend it was used for a woman's retreat and when the pastor's retreat they had about 80, 90 pastors there and minister, uh, pastors there and leaders in the work out in Argentina and then they had a ladies retreat just last weekend I think that 70 plus ladies so it was really encouraging for them but let me very quickly try and hopefully everything will go everything will go according to plan my clicker is maybe not just working the best from way over here I don't know why but it should be for many of you you know that the work that we represent uh, we are serving the Lord in these three countries of Chile, Argentina and Uruguay uh, uh, we're thankful for our really for our beginnings. Our beginnings really came under Mr. Strong whenever God called him to serve the Lord. And, and, and uh, let me just uh, do you mind just tweaking that a wee bit this way that computer because the signal for some reason just not picking it very well. I I think that's lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Well, back in 1923, Mr. Strong left New York and set sail for Chile to really reach reach the the, sol- the soldiers. Of military in Chile and uh, our mission was then known as many of you know was known as gospel mission uh, soldiers and gospel mission of South America that work was passed on to the work of the Gideons uh, but Mr. Strong saw an even greater vision and a greater need that the Chilean people need to be reached with the gospel and so there he would minister to the day he would die on a train giving out gospel literature gospel tracts as we would call it and the Lord took him into his presence he died on the train giving out literature and we're, but we're grateful for the heritage that he left that he left 
left behind. Some of you might ask the question, well, for example, why are we serving the Lord in these three countries of Chile, Argentina and Uruguay? Why go to these countries? Why, why endeavour to show an interest in these countries? Well, the reality is, folks, is because there are 65 million people that need to be reached with the gospel of Christ. That's why we go. That's why God has called our missionaries to go to this field and go to these fields known as the southern cone or the very tip of the southern cone of South America. That's why we go. You might also ask, well, what is our purpose in going there? Not only why we go there, but what is the main purpose in going there? Well, our primary purpose is to see God glorified uh, by evangelizing and by establishing, reproducing churches in South America. We do this via, uh, via evangelism, via discipleship courses, and also through leadership development. And so all along, the whole plan is not just planning churches and seeing people get saved, but then it's endeavoring to see those people who get converted. Seeing, for we're all, we all realize that God has given us all different talents, gifts, and abilities. And for some people, God has given talents, the talent of preaching or teaching. For other, God has given the talent of encouraging. And for other, God has given the talent even of raising, raising support for work and for providing for the work. God has provided for them financially, and so they, they give to the work of God. And so we want to try and hone people's gifts, hone people's skills, and that they may know where God is, what gifts and calling that God has given to them, and they may use it on the actual field itself for serving. We have a simple church planting strategy. Not that there's anything wrong with printing t-shirts or opening or, or co- opening coffee shops by no means, because I believe these are also great tools of sharing the gospel of Christ. But in the South America, our main focus in there is present, simply preaching the gospel. That is the main reason why we're there, is to present the gospel to men and women who are lost in their sin. That's why God has called us there. And uh, so we're thankful to God for this simple church planning strategy. We realize that's why we're there. Some might ask the question, what is church planning? Because some of these people don't fully grasp what church planning is all about. Well, church planning is Christ building his church through those who have surrendered their lives to him. Uh, It's God's servants making disciples, resulting in local churches being established. And, And for that, we're very grateful that God has indeed put his hand upon individual people's lives and called them for this specific task of the long it's not, it's not like what we're going to call a hit and run whereby we're in and we're out again not a matter of just going for three weeks and then moving on to another village and sharing the gospel these folks are in for, our missionaries are in for the long haul and for many of them they're there for anything between 8 and 15 years in a village in an area in a community to see that, see that work established and then have leadership within it up and then our missionaries will move on and they will start planting again and keep planting and that is the whole core in fact presently we have a fellow called Tom Gibbons who's been in Argentina for 18 years and now God is calling away from that work they're now in the process of just appointing a, a national pastor to take on that work and to minister there and God willing that we see that work self-sufficient. Well, I had the tr- privilege of being both in Argentina and Chile at the start of this year from the 13th of January to the 2nd of February. Uh, I left home. It would mean, when we get there, it would mean a lot of long driving. For two days to get from Argentina and Chile, we would cover a thousand miles. We'd drive for 12 hours one day, one, to one, one day and we'd drive for seven hours the following day just to cover the miles that we travel. The, 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 some of the scenery, 
is very bland, the roads are very straight, uh, sometimes the odd time you see a little scorpion running across the road in front of you, but also there's a lot of sad sights as you travel because to the bottom right of the picture you will see like a re- relics whereby these, you will pass these all the time throughout South America where they'll set up little crucifixes, they'll set up little m- memorials and maybe someone who's died, uh, someone who's been uh, maybe knocked down or killed on the road, or maybe just a sense of somebody who, who has in the past they want to just remember them, and so what you will find is that over and over again you'll find these little memorials whereby they'll offer difference, uh, if you go inside, if go up close to them you'll see they'll put little offerings inside them you will know, to appease the gods, I'm not sure, knowing that the country of South America is predominantly Roman Catholic and yet the reality is for many of these people, for the majority of these people they are in complete and utter darkness and that's why we must go and take the light of the good news of the gospel that means whether we go outside this door or whether we begin to go through the doorway into these countries whether be through the airports into these different countries as we travel in, we're taking, we want to take the light of the gospel and share Christ with men and women because they've no other hope without him, absolutely no other hope well this is our present, our GMSA family, this was taken in January and we're grateful we have a young couple there to the, t- to the right hand side of the picture, David and Christy Flink, I think the last time was here we shared a little bit about the work in Antofagasco which is the driest desert in all the world well they, they alone to travel this conference will not have left Chile but will do a 60 hour round trip to get from their home to our mission to our, where our camp centre is and then drive back home again and they'll drive uh, 30 hours one way with their four children just simply to come along this conference. We're grateful for what God is doing up in the very north of Chile uh, right up on Antofagasco how that the wee church the fellowship there is prospering and blessing. They started off in a little living room and then they bought a property and in this town of Antofagasco then they, uh, they outgrew their living room in there in that property and then they extended it three, three to four foot wider and now they've outgrown that they've about 70 to 80 on a Sunday morning and they meet there every Sunday and Wednesday and now they're looking to buying a piece of property and, and this is a big burden well I say a burden for them but it's not too big a burden for God and uh, Antofagasco is a very rich affluent area because of the copper industry if any of you folk are pensioners I, I, I'm not that I'm implying that any of you even dare to be pensioners sitting this morning and you be, you be, but if you're a pensioner there's a possibility that your pension is based upon the price of copper that's coming out of Antofagasco and, uh, and, and uh, so that's the way a lot of pensions are based upon right in this very city of this couple have built the church but because of that it has meant that buying a piece of ground or buying a piece of property is exceptionally expensive and so they're either going to try and buy a piece of property or else buy a piece of land and build a wee church there and so maybe you'd pray with us along with David and Christy that God alone God alone would step in and God would, would provide the means for them well in the midst of beautiful scenery whenever you travel through these countries of Argentina into Chile some beautiful scenery that's not the main reason why we were there we were there primarily to spend times in prayer with our mission uh, we, you see a picture of Bobby and, and Bobby and Natty of Villette. They just got married last year. Bobby was born with cerebral palsy, but God called him to uh, to Uruguay, and that's where he has been serving the Lord. Uh, we had opportunity to pray together with our missions. We had opportunities to praise, just like we've been doing this morning, but primarily with times in the Word. And we're very grateful for an opportunity just to sit under God's Word and for our missionaries to actually just to sit and to listen. Uh, we, you come every Sunday and you sit and listen and you receive the Word. Word. But there's somebody has to share that word. 
But for those people who share, sometimes they're not always able to receive themselves. Maybe they have opportunities, should I say, to sit in meetings and share or receive. And so for our missionaries, there's an opportunity for them just to sit and receive the word. And so we were able to, a couple of men came down, pastors came down from the States to minister to our missionaries. And we were grateful for that and grateful for this opportunity. I have a little DVD and hopefully it's going to come up next. I'm hoping there's a wee bit of sound with it. It's about seven, eight minutes long. Just you sit back and listen. And I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to the Gospel Mission of South America. Bienvenidos a la misión de América Central. Mari Mari, bienvenidos a la misión evangélica de Sudamérica. Hello, my name is Becky, and I have one son. His name is Enzo, who is eight years old. One of the biggest blessings that I think for Enzo being brought up on the mission field is that he is bilingual. He knows Spanish and English, and he's able to switch very easily. For me, it was a little bit longer learning the language, so I think that is a huge blessing for children growing up on the mission field. Some of the blessings of raising children on the mission field are getting to expose them to what the Lord is doing in different parts of the world, and also getting to have them involved in the ministry with us, serving alongside of us. And I think those are probably two of the biggest blessings of being able to raise children on the mission field. My husband and I have four children that we've raised on the mission field, and we would have it no other way to us. Um, there are many blessings of raising kids on the mission field. One is that in some way it's more wholesome. They're not exposed to a lot of things that they would be exposed to in the States. Another thing is they, as kids, they get to see and experience things that so many other kids don't have a chance in their lifetime. Um, they're bilingual without even trying. And I suppose um, the, one of the biggest things is that we get to work together in the ministry. In the beginning of a new work, they are just needed for so many different things. And they've been a huge help to us. And it's been a, just a blessing to work together. And then hopefully, in some way, we've been able to communicate to them what our parents communicated to us, that serving the Lord and loving Him and living for Him is the best life in the world. Some of the challenges that we're facing in Antofagasta, Chile, in church planting are the following. Number one, sin. Sin in our lives, sin in other people's lives. That is just a huge hurdle and factor in any ministry around the world. And we face it in Antofagasta. Two, we live in a mining town where we have a lot of transition of people, people working for two years and leaving. It is a huge challenge to specifically invest in men um, who we need as leaders in the local church, at a local church plant, um, because they're working, because they're away, and most likely they will leave. And that's a huge challenge. We're leaving this up to the Lord, of course, but those are the challenges that we're facing in the desert. I believe there are some challenges that we face as a missionaries on the field is sometimes loneliness, sometimes you feel alone because when you go into a new city you don't know anybody, you begin to make a new contact so sometimes it can be loneliness, sometimes it can be uh, impatience, uh, sometimes you want things to go faster uh, but you have to just wait on the Lord for those times to uh, bring the harvest. As far as some of the areas that are a challenge, or perhaps uh, a little bit of a discouragement sometimes in the ministry, is the lack of a response 
from people to the Word of God. You spent so many hours investing in people's lives, helping them with their problems, uh, and then um, they get their problems resolved temporarily, and they don't come to church, and they don't see you until the next time that there is a problem. And so that sometimes discourages us, but obviously we need to know that God has called us, and there's going to be times of trouble, there's going to be times of discouragement, but if you know that the Lord has called you to do a job, He's also going to provide, in His timing, the solution to the problems as well. So all we have to do is continue to be faithful to God's calling in our life. Uh, probably the biggest answer to prayer that uh, we have had in our ministry has uh, been the Lord's preparation, His provision in us coming to the field. Uh, you know, we, the Lord guided us and gave us direction and uh, where He wanted us to go, and uh, and then He provided a way for us to come here. It took several years for us to raise our support, uh, but it was all in the Lord's timing, and we really sensed the Lord working uh, through all of that. Uh, part of that preparation was really preparation for us to be ready for the field, preparation for our children uh, to be here as well. And uh, so the Lord doesn't always answer our prayers in our timing, but He certainly does answer our prayers. And we're thankful for the Lord and how He provided for us in His timing, and uh, certainly not in our timing. So we're really thankful for that. In church, I play the guitar and work in the nursery.
for their prayers and their support. And actually, my experience is the mission is getting stronger and better. Uh, and that's a rare thing in these days. So we're glad to recommend Gospel Mission of South America and missionaries that are on the job and do the job and get the job done by God's grace, partnering with your churches to serve the Lord in the Southern Cone, in Chile, Argentina, and in Uruguay. Thanks, I hope you find that a little bit enlightening, encouraging, uh, just really first-hand from our missionaries on field. Uh, that's really what their, their views are, and that's really, I can't really speak any better for them. But very quickly, I want to just try and tell you about a work team that we're taking God willing to Argentina. You'll see some little, uh, some little flyers in the foyer, or just over here in the corner, on a little round table. Now, we really love you all to take one of these for prayer, that you would, you would pray for this work team. So far, we have six individuals signed up. Presently, they're all from Northern Ireland. That doesn't mean we don't take Scottish. If you want to come and join us, well, we'd take the Scots as well, uh, uh, but anyway, but we would really love you to take one and pray about this. The real purpose of our camp, our, our going out here, is to work alongside James and Donnell Morell, along with their six children. Uh, you have Hannah, Jamie, Sheldon, Josie, Matthias and Sophia and God has called them to serve the Lord as our camp director in Argentina to really oversee the development of our centre and just to see it going on and seeing it, seeing, uh, seeing it becoming the facility that God really purposed for it to be. We're thankful for the centre that God has given to us. This is a, the first, whenever we were out, we were, my wife and I were out with an organisation called Lift, Labour and Faith and Trust to do a tremendous work. They're based in Northern Ireland but they send work teams all over the world and back in 2015 uh, my wife and I along with a number of other members went out and this was what you see here is one of the dorms and this will facilitate and sleep 48 campers the plan is that we're going to have four of those which will be uh, God willing will be will, will roughly about just short of 200 people that will be able to keep in the centre at one time we have a barbecue area with this this what you see in the bottom left of your picture is actually the uh, God willing our second dorm and then God willing another or two dorms and what you see at the top right of the picture sorry the top right of the picture was our, our camp centre and our uh, uh, that, our barbecue area and so our uh, meeting house on the bottom right of the picture is really our what we call solar panel heating, heating this heats our hot water presently it's heating at about 100 degrees Celsius uh, the, because of the sun so we're using cold water because we don't want the young ones going out redder than they came in from the water so, uh, so the whole purpose is to try and keep them cool but keep them clean and uh, but we're grateful for the centre this centre that we have is as really intimate is about 20 acres in, in, in size uh, it's all cut by lawnmower uh, they get on the lawnmower and they ride it and they cut the whole thing no sheep no goats no cattle uh, just to, ride, to cut the whole thing but this centre is really built for a facility you might say what is the purpose of it well the primary the purpose of it is to is for the edification what I'm going to call the edification of the body of Christ for edifying the church the body of Christ.
Christ. And so as we bring, as believers come together, that they can enjoy not only fellowship, but they can be encouraged and they can be instructed alongside. So we have, this is used for church retreats. It's also used for reaching the lost. So it's going to be a place whereby we're going to invite children, young people, we'll invite parents and family retreats, all of an opportunity just simply to bring folks out of their normal surrounding and to share the gospel with them that they might hear the good news of Christ and most of all come to saving faith in Christ Jesus but also it's to train full time Christian workers and so there's a fellow presently uh, Dave West who's in, in Texas Rio Grande in Texas studying Spanish and he has been called to this very location to uh, set up a Bible institute or a Bible college maybe you would stand with us in prayer that God would indeed really draw near and just provide the means but most of all uh, encourage the hearts of those who are serving the Lord out there and for which we are very very thankful. Can I just thank you for your prayers, for your support for the work of GMSA Karis and I are grateful for your prayers you'll find our little prayer card over in the corner if you haven't got one and you would like one we'd be delighted if you'd pray for us. Some of you already pray for us we are very very thankful and I don't say that light heartedly if you'd like to know more about our work, then can I just say to you, just give us your name and address and we will try our best to inform you as often as we can about the work that we're doing. Our missionaries would really just like to say one last thing to you. I don't know if there's some sound, but our missionaries would just simply like to say, on that picture you will see a picture, a photograph of one lady that you'll all know very well, Miss Pauline English. She's in the second row with a white blouse on. Uh, it might not be a very clear picture, but that's where our Pauline, this was the last last time she was in the field in January of 2015 was her last trip uh, out to South America and she wanted to see some of the works that she was involved in and meet up again with the missionaries but this is what they would say to you so really folks on behalf of our GMSA family, we are very, very thankful for your prayers on their behalf. And I'm really only here to represent. I'm only there here to represent them, and and endeavour to encourage you to stand with them as they continue to this day to labour in the gospel and sharing the good news and pointing people to Christ and endeavouring to instruct people in righteousness so they may grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I want just for a few moments this morning uh, to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And uh, I really just want to read one verse with you. It's 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. It's lovely to be here, but let's read just one verse. And the Apostle Paul writes these words to the church at Corinth. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray just before we just share a few thoughts this morning together. Father, encourage the hearts of your people here. And we ask, Lord, you may bless your word to our hearts here. And Father, we thank you indeed that you were the word, that the Lord Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And the scripture says that we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, and he was full of grace and full of truth. And so we thank you, Lord, when we point people to Jesus, we can point them to one who was full of not only gracefulness, but truthfulness, because he was truth incarnate. And so today we pray 
that Lord you may help us as we just look to your word to encourage our hearts as we just continue to labour in the gospel together for your name's sake. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was considering just even this morning, just coming and sharing with you folks uh, here in, in, in New Beginnings Church, uh, this little text of scripture, whenever, a good few years ago, whenever I passed a little church outside Cookstown and County Tyrone, uh, for a Christmas present, someone had given us this little picture frame, and inside the picture frame was this exact text. And so we hung it on the bottom of the stairs whenever we come down from the manse or down from the parsonage, and what you call it in Scotland, a minute. A, a minister's home and that was provided for by the church but, and every time we came down the stairs this was the text of scripture we always saw and this was the words that always struck us therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast and unmovable uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain and so it remind us as we labour day in and day out that what we do for the Lord is, is never wasted that we do for him is never in vain and this morning I just want to break this little verse up into four little parts. And I hope it will encourage your heart. Number one, there's the call that is given. And the call that is given is this call whereby the Apostle Paul calls those to whom he speaks, beloved brethren. Now it doesn't mean that the church in Corinth was this, this church that had no issues, no problems, no, no, no uh, difficulties that they had, no hurdles that they had to try and, try and climb over, or no mountains that they had to try and, uh, try and ascend. The reality was that this church in Corinth had loads of issues. They had loads of problems. The Bible says, in fact, in the early part of 1 Corinthians, you will find that there was issues, that, the, that there were those that were saying, well, I'm of Apollos, and some said, I am of Paul. So there was divisions and there were squabbles among the people of God. They were thinking, one was thinking they were better because they were Apollos. And in our group, they thought, well, we're even better because we're, Paul has led us to the Lord, so we're, we're nearly better, we're nearly more spiritual than you are. And yet Paul was saying all these things, he says, what are you doing? Like, what, what, is, what is the need? What, why are you doing all this squabbling and, and fighting and bickering? It doesn't matter if Apollos led your Lord or if I led your Lord. The reality is that you're in the Lord. That's all that really matters, that you're in Christ Jesus. And so the question I'm asking you this morning, very importantly and very poignantly, is very simply this. Do you know Christ as your saviour? Could you be like one of those that the Apostle Paul would write, that, that you are part of the beloved brethren? Because these people to whom Paul wrote, despite them having their problems, their difficulties, their issues, uh, whether that be morally or even sexually or seen spiritually, even with all those things, the Paul, the Paul, Paul the Apostle still called them beloved brethren, people for whom he loved. And people to whom God had put them in his heart. And he loved them the way he wanted to love them. Just the exact same way that God loved them. Because that they had, first of all, they had come to know Christ as their saviour. And also because that they were endeavouring through the instruction of God's word. He was endeavouring to instruct them in righteousness and truth. On one occasion Paul says, I would love to have given you meat. But I can't give you meat, I can only give you milk. Because you're yet still carnal. I'd love to say you were spiritual. But you're not spiritual. He says, you're, although you're in the family, you're killed carnal. 
But as long as you're spiritual. And so there's this great debate that Paul was going on. And this great, through this letter, Paul was endeavoring to help these people to see. Listen, there's a purpose to the way God has saved you. And then you go back and, and you, as you read on and you read as Paul is continuing to try and teach them and trying and, try to help them. Paul was reminding them, even though they had their faults and their failures and their sins, the apostle Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. He says, remember this, he says, that you have been bought with a price. So he's helping them to see how, how, how they had come into the family. What was it, who had paid for them? What do you mean you've been bought with a price? Well, it meant that the fact he was reminding them of the work of the cross. He was reminding them of the fact that Christ had shed his precious blood for their sins. How that he had redeemed them. How they had bought them back from the slave market of sin. How that he had transformed their lives. How he had come to live in their lives by his Holy Spirit. He says you've been bought with a price. And then he just simply had some straight between the eyes, which I know that like Northern Ireland folk well some Northern Ireland folk but I know that most Scottish folk you just like it as it is you just like to be told it as it is well Paul says I'm just telling as it is he says glorify God in your body and your spirit who's our gods so he says listen you have been bought with a price so how you live and how you speak do so because, do so ultimately to glorify God because he has redeemed you and so he endeavours to speak these words. You know, wasn't it wonderful, folks, this morning to be in the family of God? I think that is a wonderful thing. To think that even though you know, the unsaved look on their lives, and yes, there's no doubt at times they can see faults and failures and even sins in our lives. But we realise this morning, we acknowledge this morning, we are not yet perfect. The Bible says we may be, we're encouraged to strive toward perfection. We're encouraged to strive to be more like Jesus. But we realize that when we live in this world, we are not perfect. We do make mistakes. Sometimes we speak when we should be silent. And we are silent when we should speak. Some of us are very good at, at putting our foot on it. I don't know, but you could, do you know that expression, putting your foot on it? Well, uh, well, I'm very good at putting my foot on it. Some of us are good at putting our foot on things. But the wonderful thing is this morning, the, the greatest privilege I think it is to, to know that you're in the family of God. And to know that you are the beloved brethren. Chosen by God and our names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the first little instruction he gives. The second is there's a character that is good. Because he says, this is the type of character that we want. Uh, the, the version I'm reading from this morning talks about being unmovable and being steadfast. Now, being steadfast simply means, folks, today it means that it means to be settled. Uh, Adam Clark, who was a Bible commentator, says, put, puts it this way. He says that we, are to, to, that we are to confide in the truth of the doctrine of the resurrection and everything that pertains to it. As confidently as a man sits upon a seat which he knows to be solid, firm, safe, on which he has often sat before. So what he's saying here, no matter what happens in this world, realize that if you're in Christ, come what way, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Be settled in this fact. So often we find that when the old enemy of our soul comes to discourage us or causes us to doubt, what does he want us to doubt? I'll tell you what he wants us to doubt. He wants us to doubt if he can make us doubt the very foundation upon which we stand, our position which is in Christ Jesus, then he knows he has us where he wants us. And if we live our lives simply, well, am I a Christian or am I not a Christian? Well, I, why am I a Christian? I'm a Christian and I am in the family of God today, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. 
How he has redeemed me with his precious blood. How that he has bought me back from the slave market of sin. How that he has, how that he has t- come to dwell in my life. And because of that I am t- calling upon his name. Because the scripture says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. The Bible says these words. Uh, John 6 and 37. Him that cometh unto me. I will in no wise cast out. Revelation chapter 3 and 20. Behold I stand the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So the picture is here that Jesus has come to abide in our lives. He has come to dwell in our hearts and we are to be settled in this fact that when I call upon him and whenever I ask him to come and dwell in my life and I repent of my sin and ask him to be my saviour that moment, that instant moment he has come to abide and come what may folks we are to be settled in this factor that I am a child of God not because of what I do or what I am but because of what Jesus has done for me Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 for by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourself it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and then he goes on to say these words for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus on the good works which he hath before, before ordained that we should walk in them and so they see the evidence of our faith is our fruit and Jesus says by their fruits ye shall know them and so you don't pick figs of apple trees or apples of fig trees you pick oranges of orange trees apples of apple trees and pears of pear trees and so it is Jesus says uh, from our life will be, there will be evident of Jesus coming to live in our hearts it doesn't mean that because he is living in our lives that we have become perfect people we have a perfect standing and in the eyes of God he sees us justified and that word, that great word work of justification the Bible talks is something meaning just as if we had never sinned and so when he looks down but the wonderful thing is there is that what the Bible says when the spirit has come he produces a fruit in our lives Galatians 5 and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering gentleness, goodness, uh, meekness temperance against such there is no law and so he is tell, tells us very clearly that there here is the, this is why we are to be settled because of what Jesus has done in us then he says to be unmovable he says no matter what happens along the life the reality is there will be trials there will be tribulations there will be troubles there will be days of great discouragement there will be days whenever you'll be tempted to throw the towel in there will be days whenever you'll be so down in the mouth that you'll think to yourself is there really any point in keeping going on at this, this whole Christian business is there any point in keeping going and Paul exhorts these people not just to be settled in the fact that you're in Christ but be unmovable don't let anything don't let anything sway sway you sway you from not following after the Lord one preacher said these words this is probably a stronger expression than being steadfast though meaning substantially the exact same thing we are to be firm and unshaken in our Christian hopes so no matter what dear people no matter what and let's be honest folks let us be truthfully honest whether you're living in Scotland or Northern Ireland or England or Wales or South America Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil or Paraguay if you are in the family of God every one of us every one of us have our own trials every one of us have our own our own things that discourage us and pull us down at times but the, the wonderful thing is, folks, that the word in Hebrew, Hebrews exhorts us to keep looking on to Jesus. 
the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Then let me say to you thirdly, there is a consecration that is glorious. He says, we're always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always endeavouring to serve the Lord. Uh, I had the privilege just recently of conducting a mission, uh, like a gospel campaign or a gospel mission. I don't know what's the best way to describe it here, but it's two weeks of meetings. And, and uh, I just like to say, the little village, uh, in a wee village called Kolobaki. And uh, we were encouraged just to see unsaved people coming along to the meetings. We were encouraged to see unsaved people taking little booklets whenever the meetings were over. One little booklet entitled Journey into Life. And uh, a great wee tool for evangelism. And if you know that someone is interested in the gospel, uh, give them this so they can go home and read it. And then after the meetings had closed, then I received a phone call to say that one of the young men who had taken a little booklet, he actually... Uh, him and his wife went to see their pastor, their minister, uh, the following week. And their, their minister led both him and his wife to the Lord. And, and that encouraged our hearts. I went to a little meeting away down in the Fermanagh, uh, County Fermanagh. And after the meeting closed, this lady says, my sister-in-law wants to see you. She actually came from Glasgow. Well, she's living in Glasgow presently. And she was over in Fermanagh visiting her family. And, and so we went into the wee room and, and this lady said, I, I know that I need to become a Christian. I know that I'm not ready to meet God. And, and with the privilege of just sitting beside her and, and leading her to the Lord. Now to me that is a beautiful thing. A very beautiful thing. But I want to say to you, there's something even more beautiful. And that what's more beautiful is, is seeing individuals who not only realize that they're, who have been lost and they need a saviour, someone to save them. But then whenever they become Christian, then they realize that, that they've got a life to serve God with. And they want to use their life. To, to give, them, give themselves completely to the service of God. Whatever God asks of them. And uh, it's really the outworking of Romans 12 and 1. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's the outworking of when, in Isaiah 6, when the Lord speaks unto Isaiah and says, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah, he simply steps up to the plate and he says, Lord, here am I, send me, Lord. Here's my life. And so what you get here is people who've come to this place of realizing what I'm calling a consecration that is glorious. People who realize, Lord, here I have a life. I don't know how much I have left in my life. My grandmother is 97 this year and uh, she still lives on her own. She doesn't light a fire now every day like she used to. She's now got a switch. She can knock the oil on. And, uh, but she's always, uh, is that oil on? She's, you know, she's, is it on or is it off? Or, anyway, but uh, I picked her up one day. I, I think since she turned about 90 or whenever I sort of moved back to Northern Ireland again or can't remember when it was, but it was roughly around that time, uh, I, uh, I would take her out for her birthday. Uh, trying to take just her and me, but now my mother and father have retired. Now they have they are now they are now joined the group, uh, so they, I don't just buy coffee from my granny. I have to bring my mother and father along, and they're getting free coffees out of as well because because they're retired. But anyway, it doesn't matter one bit. But one year, whenever I think it was never she was ninety two or ninety three, I picked went into the yard, picked her up, and the first thing she said, Nigel, where have all the years gone? Well, I ain't ninety. I'm not even sixty. I'm not even fifty yet. But I look back over my life and I think, so, like, uh, like they're saying this week, see, eight weeks tomorrow, the Christmas day. Eight weeks tomorrow. I think so, like, uh, the word's gone. Like, where is the year gone? Like, I haven't even a Christmas box bought in the house. Uh, and I'm saying, so, like, where, where has 2017 gone? It just flies by. 
But folks, let's be truthful. We look back over life and realise how quickly life passes us by. And none of us know how many, much we've longer left in the future. But the big question is, what are we going to do with what's left of our lives? Are we going to use it to serve the Lord? Or are we going to use it to serve ourselves? The last we thought I want to leave with you, and my time is finishing, finishing, there's a conviction that is gladdening. And this conviction that is gladdening is simply this. Paul wanted to exhort and remind these believers in Corinth, even though they had their faults and their flaws. Remember, he said, remember that as you labor, your labor in the Lord is never in vain. Remember that as you labor. Now, it reminds us, folks, that there's two different types of labor. There's labor that we can do that merely is is merely for our own benefit. Or for our own praise. Or for our own edification. Whereby our motives are not right. Our motives are all... The reason why I'm doing this is because I know there's something in this for me. The reason why I'm helping this person is because I'm hoping they're going to help me back. Or the reason why I'm giving to this organization is because I know that they're going to give back to me. But Paul says that's not, that, that labor is not going to be rewarded for Because once, once someone returns back to thank you, you've received your reward. You know the, old, the Bible speaks about the old left hand, right hand principle. Whatever your left hand does, don't let your right hand know anything about it. And so he's saying that when that is the case, then whenever nobody knows what you do, when you do what you do for the Lord, because I find sometimes, sadly, even in church life, sometimes our motives are not always pure. Sometimes our motives are, we can have alternative motives for serving God. Sometimes we have that motive, we want to serve because we, we like power, we like authority, we like position, we like to be seen. And whenever those are our motives for serving, then our motives are wrong. But when we do this, like what our brother was saying at the very beginning, John John the Baptist said, Lord, that I may decrease and that you may increase. What's the picture? The picture is that when I am doing what I'm doing, it's not that people may see me, but that people may see Jesus in me. And Lord, what I'm doing here, Lord, as I, as I am, well, I'm hoovering the carpet, Lord, I'm doing this not so that people may turn around and say, poisons in the carpet, look powerful, clean, but I'm doing this as unto the Lord, and not unto men. And the Bible tells us clearly that everything from a glass of water, from a glass of water that's given in my name, will not go unrewarded can I want, I want to just in, from the bottom of our hearts and from the depths of our hearts on behalf of GMSA Gospel Mission of South America we want to thank you for not just in recent years but for, for over these last number of years for your ongoing prayerful and practical support we by no means take it lightheartedly or we are very very thankful and grateful that you have stood with us. I hope this will encourage your heart today. Remember that what we do for him will always, we will always be rewarded by him when we see him. God bless you.